and gamers together now have the sheer magnitude to be a significant unifying force for the world. If I'm to choose between a greater and lesser evil, I'd rather not choose at all. You are almost a jibble sandwich. Did I ever tell you the definition of insanity? Be better. Check this out. Hello, 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 and welcome everyone to the 335th episode of the Hungry Gamers Podcast. I'm your extremely humble host, Brendan White. You can find me just about everywhere at Brendan Abyss. And joining me on this 335th extravaganza of THG is Australia's finest. You can find him on them socials at Jono himself. Jono Peck, welcome back with that sexy haircut, my friend. How the bloody hell are you? Mixed bag, Brendan. Definitely a mixed bag. I'm, I'm very, very happy to be here. Uh, but, you know, I've got, uh, I've got a, a little one with a broken leg and it's really, uh, it's it, it's a lot. It's a lot of work yeah. carrying around an 18 and a half kilo hyperactive boy who, uh, who can't fend for himself. I have a, a new level of respect for any parent out there who's got a, a child with a disability because that's what it's felt like past uh past few days and a few weeks for the few you know few weeks ahead so uh but you know here to talk games here to not talk about <laughs> uh all the all the fun of uh of parenting <laughs> yeah i um i certainly feel for you man like it, it's so uncommon to hear of like young kiddos breaking bones because obviously there's a little bit more elasticity in the bones mm, yeah. when you're younger so it's really 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 rare to hear of an arm or a leg break but uh you know i've i've met that little fella and he's a wild boy so i'm i'm like i'm surprised but i'm also not surprised because yeah he's a he's a little fair-haired hurricane but he's he's a sweetheart mm, but yes yeah. yeah it must be um must be very difficult for all involved especially especially him knowing that uh, well, not knowing and not understanding what's happening. It's like, where's my mobility and freedom gone, Dad? Like, <laughs> what is happening? Why is life doing this to me? Yeah, totally. Like, especially at the start, it was it was heartbreaking because he's like, can I walk tomorrow? Like, can I, will my leg be better tomorrow? Can I go swimming tomorrow? No, <laughs> it's going to take a while, buddy. It's going to take a while. Yeah. What's, uh, what is the time? Like, is it, is it a multi-month thing? I'm assuming. Nah, it's like bones tend to heal in like six weeks. Okay. But kids are, can be a bit quicker. So we need to, we're going to see like the fracture clinic specialist next week and they'll they'll tell us whether it's like, you know, four weeks and he can walk again or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, well me and all the listeners out there have got our fingers and toes crossed that it yeah, is a thanks. swift heal and he can be back to his adorable maniacal self really soon and, and, and give you and the wife you back a little bit of freedom and, and uh, take some of that stress away because, yeah, it would not be easy. But uh, something that can be easy is investing lots of hours into video games. And uh, I guess we can start things off as we always do here on THG with this. The week that was. All right, I am going to be very scattershot machine gun style here because I've been doing a little bit in between. And I guess the elephant in the room, JP is not a uh, redheaded female no, that joined no. me on the last episode. So so Mia does send her sincerest apologies, just life. And she's been battling some illness and everything else has sort of created some issues with scheduling to, to get this going. So what we made the decision on doing is, you know, like Mia will... You get yourself right, you get yourself settled, don't stress, don't worry about this, come back 
in a future rendition of uh, mm-hmm. THG. And we'll just bring our super sub in here, JP, who always got time to spit on them all. He doesn't always because he's a very busy man, but he's, he's taken some time out of his time. sketch yeah. to uh, to join me here for episode 335. So, uh, yeah, Mia, we wish you well. Hope you're feeling better. And, um, yeah, we'll hear you on this microphone again real soon. But, yeah, JP, I've been playing a lot of things the last couple of weeks. The first one I wanted to touch base on is a little little gem that's come out on PC or on Steam and also PlayStation known as Eternites. It's the debut game from a one-person studio, Studio Psy. Wow. And it is fantastic. It's got some persona elements to it if you wanted to go like an easy, lazy comp. So it's like a horror action RPG, but it also fuses in something that I love in games or just in life is a dating sim. So there's some romance thrown into this. So it's dark, it's funny, it's charming, and it's a hell of a lot of fun to play. I've been playing this on my Asus ROG Ally, just on the couch, in bed. Super easy to just lose a few hours into this. And for a debut game, like Studio Sai have done phenomenal work with this game. The art style is great. You know, anyone that loves a good anime is going to feel right at home with this but something that surprised the hell out of me is every character in this game is voiced so you know you lose a lot in a lot of the jrpgs if you want to sort of just blanket statement then we get a lot of just text to screen we don't get a lot of vocal dialogue and vocal delivery but it is all voiced the voice work is really really high quality it's super fun it's funny it's charming it's relatable you meet a lot of characters that uh, you can sort of see various friends and and partners and and people sort of filling those shoes in real life. Obviously, there's like a a doomsday uh, hell on earth scenario that you've got to deal with as well. The combat can be pretty punishing and unforgiving. Like it doesn't take much for you to get killed. But the cool thing is the lead character that you play, you name them as yourself. So you can name them whatever you like and you inherit this character and you're meeting these other characters along the way and you're sort of running around with your best friend, Charney, and the game starts with you guys just talking about, oh, we need to get out and meet some people, go on some dates, and then, yeah, the world starts to catch fire and, and bad things ensue from there. But as you're trying to save the planet and have these young adult conversations, yeah, you're meeting these new characters along the way and how you interact with them, it can then give them skill and ability bonuses. And because they're sort of your sidekick during these battles, you can use their skills and abilities to buff what you're doing, attack enemies, heal your team. So it's kind of cool that how you interact with the person, whether you're flirty, an asshole, you're charming, you're funny, whatever it is, that will play off differently to how that character evolves in parallel with you. So there's kind of this cool element where they'll play a certain way depending on how you interact with them outside of the combat and the main story. So it's this just blend of things I really enjoy, like the RPG elements, the combat's fun, the art style, super slick, the soundtrack, crunchy, sort of nice synth wavy type of vibe that I'm all about. And the fact that that I can then try and woo and charm these various little anime characters at the same time, I'm like, yes, like tick, tick, tick. I'm a big, big fan of Eternites and it's been super fun. It's been a big surprise because, yeah, first game for, for Studio Psy and he's come out and just knocked it out of the park because romance, dating sim, action RPG, easy, lazy comp. If you're a fan of the Persona, 
sort of uh, formula, you'll enjoy this where you've got a certain amount of time or a certain amount of days to do certain missions before the world ends or bad things occur. So you're always racing the clock and juggling between the combat and then the, the human or the real world elements as well. And JP, it's a good time, man. Have you heard or have you checked this one out at all? No, I've just been having a bit of a squeeze while you're chatting about it because I hadn't heard of this at all. I didn't realize that... Um... I mean, was it shown at like a state of play being like a PlayStation console exclusive? It was shown. I can't remember like what uh, live event or streamed event was shown in the last, only sort of popped up on the radar, maybe the start of this year. It wouldn't have been any later than say back end of last year. So I didn't hear about it until that event. And then uh, when we were doing like the what's coming out this week, I saw that was in in the list a couple of weeks Mm. ago. And I'm like, damn, all right, I'm getting in on this. And I think it was like 30 bucks on Steam. And it's just a good time, man. It's got a lot of polish yeah. for a debut it's, title. <laughs> it's impressive as anything when a studio lets, you know, one person releases a game. I know how much goes into that. And for it to look this good is extra points. It's It's got a very cool style. Like, is the whole game set at nighttime? It looks like everything's that kind of blue or purple kind of nightshade. Yeah, they, they do love the sort of the darker darker hues and, and mixing in those sort of neon color palettes. Mm. But uh, the way it works is you've got your your day and night cycle where you can only go out and enter these dungeons and do the, the prior, primary sort of storyline in the day. And then of an evening, you can choose to go meet your potential love interest, hang out with them, go on dates, do some real stuff, and then see how those characters evolve, not only from a romance standpoint, but also from a support and playability standpoint uh, next time we're in the dungeons together. It's, it's a yeah. good time, man. It looks so persona, like even oh, like yeah. some of the, the avatars and stuff. So uh, it's cool. Like it doesn't look like it's the studios based in Japan. It's I think they're from Seattle. So taking heavy, heavy inspiration from uh, across the, the ocean there. Sounds like um, a man after your own heart. Yeah, I'm I'm a big fan. Like, yeah, never heard of Studio Side, never heard of Eternites until the the last, you know, within the last twelve month period. But the game just ticks all the boxes as far as what I'm enjoying in my life these days. And it's just been a good in between for me. Like Starfield was so meaty and heavy and it was fun. And you know, we'll talk more about Starfield in a sec. But going from that to this, it was a little bit more of a, a lighter experience, a little less stressful. And the fact that the cast was a lot more narrow compared to all the people you meet in, in, in a star field, um, mm-hmm. it's, it was really good. And yeah, the, the, the weeb in me was very, very happy when I booted this thing up and, and rolled credits. It was a great story. The graphics were fun. The combat was cool. And yeah, the biggest thing for me was just the voice work. Every single character had voice dialogue yeah, the whole way huge. through. Like It was chef's kissing, man. Yeah, you don't get that from like even the biggest. <laughs> exactly, like you look <laughs> at Persona. Like we're talking about Persona. Yeah. There ain't no voice work on on in a lot of that happening, or even yeah. parts of Final Fantasy. Like, yeah, I'm thinking Final Fantasy 16 was mostly voice acted, and it was like kind of a big deal that most mm. of it was. But uh, I think there was a couple of side quests that weren't. So yeah, yeah, but super good. Uh, also, been working my way through Mortal Kombat One. Uh, received a code on that one so very thankful for the opportunity to sort of rip in and, and give that a spin from uh from wb uh i'm i'm a casual fighter fan to say yep. the least but i'm very adverse in the mortal Kombat universe and 
I like story heavy, sort of, isn't it? What was that? Sorry. It's story heavy. This yeah, one, like it? the um the story mode in it is awesome. I've loved what they've done with the story itself and just hit a hit a bit of a reset on continuity of things from the previous games in the franchise. It feels familiar as far as you know the characters, you know how they play. You can pick up this if you've been maybe four or five entries between Mortal Kombat. You can pick up your controller and feel pretty pretty comfortable to know what you're doing. But just the wrinkle as far as adding the cameo mode in it where you can have your support fighter come in and add different values or different layers to how you fight. Like maybe if you don't have certain abilities where you can send your enemy airborne, you can whip your, ca- your cameo character out here to help add to those juggles and, and extend mm. those combos. So it adds okay. a lot of risk reward, not only to what you're doing, but also the player you're versing because you might know how how a Raiden plays, but then they they throw in a Scorpion over the top that does this to you and it just sort of keeps you on your toes, keeps the, the footing feeling very uneven and it's super polished. Anyone that's seen the trailer is like, it's gorgeous, but it is gory as hell. Like the fatalities just get more and more and more creative and more and more upsetting and repulsive but i'm all for it because it's (laughs) part of this universe and it would feel very weird if they watered it down and it's always weird to me when you see like the the dc crossovers that uh, netherrealm are doing where we don't get that hyper violence that we're so used to from mortal kombat but that's an aside but it is so good man and i've been really enjoying it i've been just sort of just chipping away here and there having a few battles working my way through the story exploring to see who my main will be. I'm still not fully there yet. I'm still sort of working my way through the roster to sort of feel like feel it out and see who's going to be, uh, yeah, the, the Brendan 8-bit main once I start committing a bit more time. But it's been so good, JP. I've been really digging it. Are you? Uh, have you been sort of tempted to jump into, into Mortal Kombat and test your might? No, I'm uh, not even a little bit of a fighting <laughs> game. More of a lover than a fighter, JP. Yeah, I I respect it, and um, it's the kind of thing that you know. If if I was social enough to have someone come around and we wanted to play something couch together, that's the mm-hmm. kind of thing that I might download and uh, rip through. But um, no, not not the kind of game that I dive into. I want to know how you feel about the Megan Fox slander that's been getting around for her. Uh, her voice acting contributions in this one. Yeah, like she ain't winning any Oscars. It's, it's for, pretty bad. <laughs> for, for the work. It, it is It is very one note, one might say. But also yeah. I've seen Megan Fox in a lot of things and she's a great actor and she's played some pretty cool roles. But like sitting, like taking a step back and remembering her in all of these roles, that vocal delivery is pretty consistent across all of those roles as well. Like she's... At least from my memory, I could be completely wrong. But from my memory and experiences of watching Megan Fox, it's pretty similar as far as, like I wouldn't say one note, but it's of that same tone. There's not a ton of vocal range when she's happy, sad, angry, every other emotion in between. It's pretty flat and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but that's what I can remember her in, in, like in Transformers, in New Girl, in um, Jennifer's Body, like it's all that same type of vocal delivery, but yeah, yeah she's no chameleon, that's for sure. She's no. not um, n- not Nicole Kidmaning herself into a role like unrecognizable or anything like that. Yeah, like she she's getting a lot more diverse with the role she's playing. But as far as I guess the character, 
she's portraying there's so many similarities as far as how she is on screen from a presence perspective and that vocal delivery and yeah it's, it's the same in Royal Combat 1 um yeah it's it's not a very memorable character but it's still cool that they've got that celebrity sheen uh from megan fox being attached to it yeah cool last one i just wanted to quickly mention as well i worked my way through the resident evil 4 separate ways dlc last weekend uh where it puts you in the shoes of ada wong who is also running around the island at the same time as leon s kennedy is trying to save the president's daughter so it's kind of cool to sort of see behind the curtain, so to speak, where we've got connected storytelling going on where there's, they're weaving in the parts where in the mainline game Resident Evil 4 and you have these interactions with, with uh, Ada from Leon's perspective, you see it reverse. So you see what led Ada up to that moment or what did Ada have to do to, to, to thwart that bad guy or steal this item and... She's got a few different uh, different skill sets to Leon. She's got a cool little grappling gun that you use to sort of get mobile around. You can zip up onto roofs in certain areas. So you've got a little bit more mobility and movement playing as Ada and utilizing that grapple gun. Like I don't know if you remember the guys in Resident Evil 4, you know, like halfway through the game, you meet them, and they're carrying the shields. So you can use the grapple yeah. gun to like rip the shields off them or you can use okay. the grapple gun to close gaps and do melee attacks. So it's kind of cool that, she plays and feels a little differently. Her vocal delivery, we're talking about Megan Fox earlier, like she's she's a very subdued, monotone character in Resident Evil 4 and then the Separate Ways DLC as well. And, and I know she copped a lot of flack. I can't remember the yeah. the actor that, that lent her talents to that role, but I know she copped a bit of a panning for yes. her portrayal of Ada Wong. I think it's fine. I think she's just a very smooth, cool, calm, collected super spy who doesn't give a shit and it comes across on the screen she does have a few funny little moments where I had a, had a couple of chuckles at some quips, but it's really cool. I like some of the the boss battles that they throw at you. There were some really intense, stressful moments and meeting some of the other characters and just sort of seeing more of their story and getting that world fleshed out more was great. It was uh, about probably six and a half hours, I'd say, worth of that's, worth of runtime. And pretty chunky. it felt great. It was, was a nice little addition and, yeah, playing through some of those areas that you used to with Leon – there's some familiarity there, but also some freshness because you've got some new mechanics and new enemies and things like that. Mm. But uh, it's a good little accompaniment to Resident Evil 4. Like if you're vibing RE4 earlier this year, don't yeah. uh, don't uh, miss out on the Separate Ways DLC because I really enjoyed my time with it last weekend. Okay, I might have to check it out then. Uh, it's, it's a very Resident Evil thing to do to go and add this story that's taking place, you know, concurrently to, to mm. the main Leon story, it's, it kind of reminds me of Resident Evil 2 and the, the fact that you've got the two playthroughs with the two characters and even RE3 with jumping between characters, which doesn't happen in in um, Resident Evil 4. So it's kind of bringing that element into the game and showing you... Is, like this, is this all new story compared to like the original there wasn't this no nah, there, there was there was then. part like there was this sort of side spin-off with ada on the original as mm-hmm. well so they're okay. sort of retelling some of that retreading some of that as well and yeah. in resident evil 4 remember you do play as ashley for a hot minute in the castle right, as yeah. well which was yes. terrifying those areas where you're avoiding the lust plugus in the like the night armor suits minor spoilers scary 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 shit <laughs> Yeah, I don't know how I could forget that. Maybe I blocked it out because <laughs> I, I died a few times doing that. But um, yeah, no, you're right. 
Yeah, well, that that's me. I've just been <laughs> waffling on for far too long. So, JP, I no, mentioned okay. it earlier. You've been working your way through Starfield. We haven't had a chance to sort of converse about Starfield in a podcast mm. capacity. So maybe let's let's sort of open that up a little bit here and, and share your thoughts, share your feelings, your impressions, yeah. what you've been doing in the world, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I don't know that we're necessarily going to get a chance to do our usual spoiler cast. So uh, yeah, well, I think I'm happy to go as deep as you want, but I've been really digging Starfield. I think I'm probably around 80 hours into it now, uh, which is a lot for for what is it like three and a half weeks four weeks almost you, you've been uh starfielding up a storm my friend that is yeah. that is a hell of an investment i've been i mean putting in work um but <laughs> the the so i i mainlined it and then since you know finishing it, i loaded my save didn't want to start the new game plus quite yet and um when I'm digging through all the side content now and having a really good time just kind of uh, exploring all those nooks and crannies of the universe, trying to do all the side missions that I skipped through as I mainlined it and uh, going back and, and getting into the, the faction quests and that kind of thing. So, yeah, having a really good time, feeling very powerful with all my array of, of weapons that I've built up over that time. I uh, spent a lot of time building ships and made a very cool uh, Millennium Falcon-looking thing that I'm flying around in at the moment, um, fully fully loaded, and uh, yeah, it's having a great time. I've got to ask, with the Millennium Falcon, did you build it from scratch and, or, and slash from memory? or Because there's a lot of cool ships doing the rounds on the internet. So did you just sort of follow a yeah. pseudo-guide or did you just go from – trust your gut? <laughs> I did that initially and then I'd, I'd – unfortunately run into a glitch where because of the i from what i gather the the port where i was doing the modifications from everything that you modify there was glitching for me so i went to climb into the ship and the like entryway was blocked uh, so i had to fast travel to my ship to get inside and um it was just completely messed up. Like all the original parts were still there as well as the new parts that I put oh, onto so it. So just sort so of stacked on top. It just glitched. <laughs> and it, like it, it, it didn't look like that in the ship builder, but then as soon as you save it and go to climb into it, it's all messed up. Yep. So I had to like reload an old save and, and forget that. And then later in the game, I bought like a really expensive ship that was kind of like a rectangle shape. And I was like, okay, this might be like a good basis for the Millennium Falcon. I can round out the front and back to turn it into more of like the circle, mm-hmm. the sh- spherical spherical shape. And that's what I did. So I've just been, um, I, I did do it by memory. So it doesn't have the cockpit to the side like the actual Millennium Falcon, but it has, it's, it definitely has the overall visual okay. look of it. Yeah. There's some cool ships doing the rounds as far as custom builds. Like some of the yeah. some of the creativity that Starfield players have got is very impressive. And I'd love to go back and fluff around in in that ship builder for a while because it is deep. Man. You can have a lot of fun. It took me a long time to figure it out because there's no tutorial at all. It's just there's like the little buttons at the bottom of the screen to tell you how to do things. But by watching like the tutorials online, you'll notice them do things like, oh, okay, so that's how you do that, and that's how you do that. And it took me a lot of trial and error to finally mm. 
figure it out. But once you know what you're doing, and, and even once you know what you're doing, you don't realize like you're watching a tutorial and they're showing you which part to select, but that's not coming up for me. And then you realize like you don't have the ship level. Well, there's different ship levels that access different parts, but then different shipyards also have different oh, really? brands. So like one might have Stroud parts and one might have Deimos parts and it's like, okay, I'll just use the one that looks the closest, you know. So that, yeah, there's a lot. And you know, this game, I, I would say it's my game of the year so far because it's Ooh, just the, okay. the type of, it's the type of game that I love playing. And I say that, while admitting it's not the best game <laughs> because I've played, you know, some really good games this year, some really well-made games, Resident Evil 4, Dead Space Remake. I think, like, Dead Space Remake is the best-made game that I've played. Certainly up there, hey. Yeah, but Starfield's just, like, it's just my jam, I guess. And I was telling you before about, like, the kind of frustration of... Uh, doing so much fast traveling, quick traveling and feeling that disconnection or that disconnect between like the universe that you're exploring and that you're in menus a lot of the time and it doesn't all feel connected the way that it would if you were playing, you know, a Fallout or a Skyrim or whatever and you're having to actually physically put boots on the ground and run from one place to another before you can quick travel back again. Um, and, and in doing that, you discover x y and z along the way that lead to different quest lines different factions whatever it might be and there's elements of that here but it's just not the same to me Mm. uh you know you might see something happening in space and what's that over there you know you get onto the ship and there's some story of of this abandoned uh you know outpost or whatever it might be but it's it it's lacking i think some of that they had to give up some of the essence of what makes a Bethesda uh, studio game compared to to what it's been in the past. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a phenomenal game, and yeah, certainly in my top ten, I wouldn't put it number one. But like from an enjoyment standpoint, like I absolutely loved the time that I punched through Starfield in a very short period of time over a span of two weeks or, or so, maybe less. I sort of smashed it out and got what I needed from it at the time. Mm. And I'll certainly revisit it because there's a lot more world to explore, a lot more galaxy to explore. And yeah, there's so many stories to uh, to uncover and listen to or skip through as, as I found myself <laughs> doing occasionally there. But yeah. yeah, it's a good time. It's a Bethesda game. Like, But that's a good and a bad thing. Like, you know, you and I love that Bethesda formula, but then you know, someone like Benny who uh, mm. we were talking about yep. on and off about Starfield or just those Bethesda RPGs in general, and he hated it. He did the tutorial and not much else, and he was like, no, nah, that's enough for me. This isn't a Benny game. So he put it down, and yeah, that's perfectly fine. But for, for every Benny, there's a John R. Brennan where it's like, this is my game. So it's, it's, a, it's a divisive yeah. title for some, but it's a Bethesda title. If you love that Bethesda formula, you'll have a great time with Starfield. Like it's, it's Fallout or Skyrim in space. It's what's what's bad about that sign me up <laughs> yeah yeah th- there's it's it's cool to see in in a lot of aspects that they've improved in that bethesda style game where it's the the combat's a bit tighter the weapons uh some of the traversal and animations are a bit smoother i play a decent amount of it in third person which was pretty nightmarish in um some of the older mm-hmm. games particularly for like fallout 3 and 
and probably you know Oblivion and, and Skyrim even to an extent. So I like that they've they've made that feel a bit more like a valid option, particularly when you're jetpacking around the place. But um, in other ways, it's still very much the same problems with <laughs> um, just random things happening that it's it's part of the fun it's part of some of that jankiness is part of uh the, the charm yeah and you're either in for that or you're not in for that and for some people it's it's all part of the the good times and then other people it's just like come on like it's been how, how long and we're still having these same same problems or uh <laughs> same issues i will i will say like that there's uh, I think it just got patched out. There was this one kind of glitch or exploit where in one of the cities, if you go to a shop and you kind of squat down and stare into the ground and back away from the shop, you come across a puddle and in the puddle you can access the, sh- the shop's inventory. Oh, damn. <laughs> and, just, and you can just like take everything they have, including you know all their credits, all their guns, all their ammunition. And then walk into the shop and literally like sell it back to them if you want the credits. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so every time I was in that city, I'd be like, I'll just pay my friend a visit and uh, see what he's got just in stock. Just blind. <laughs> just help myself. And it doesn't count as stealing because you're just accessing something that's not meant to be accessible. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so I'm just like, oh, you've got a new gun. I'll take that one. Oh, that's better than mine. I'll, I'll sell my old one. Um, but uh, yeah, that's the kind of random thing that I love finding in, in, in any uh, Bethesda game and the community around it as well. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of a lot of fun to be had. Yeah, the the modding, like especially on the PC side, the modding community is already yeah. doing some very impressive things. And I'm looking forward to that being accessible from the console uh, in the next several months. They're, they're talking about it. It's it's coming, it's on the roadmap. That's cool. When when that is going to arrive, we do not know, but that will be fun too because there's some really good quality of life improvements that modders have put together or just crazy absurd things where they replace characters with, with certain celebrities and stuff. Like it can be as zany and as absurd as you want it to be or it can become that big grand science fiction RPG we're all hankering for. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. It's Yeah, it's a good time. It's a fun time and those weird bugs and animations, it, it adds, like I think you said it perfectly, it adds to the charm. It adds to the the uh, the mystique that is a Bethesda RPG until it breaks your game, yeah, <laughs> or until you until you spend an hour building the Millennium Falcon and then you can't get into the into the ship because yeah, it's, that's that's it's not crazy. ideal. <laughs> I, I I fluffed around and tried to build the ship for about ten minutes and I was still at like ship level one and didn't have enough money to do what yeah. I wanted to do. So I'm like, no, nope, I'm done with this. I'll come back later. And then I was just using the Manta ship for most of the time after that. Yeah, no, the nice. Ranger ship, sorry. The Ra- Ranger, Ranger ship is okay. a beast. It's it's so good. It's so good. And something Still, that uh, I was hoping was going to be so good, but um wasn't really. I tackled the entire One Piece live action series last week. And it's fine. It's fine. Everyone's going on about it. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know man like I, I don't know if it's just that French like one piece in general maybe just isn't for me because mm. I've been having some good moments watching the anime I'm up to episode 175 on the anime now so I've been churning sure. through that I watched all yeah. eight episodes of live action through. and I'm still really struggling to be invested in this world to the level that I want to be like it just the live action just talking about that specifically 
just good fun, dumb popcorn viewing. It felt like every other fantasy live action show that's on Netflix at the moment. Like, I don't know if that's it. Like, you know, you think you've watched, was it Key? Lock and Key? Lock and Key. Yeah, I like that show. Something Skull Bones. And, yeah, Skull, Skull and not Skull yeah, it's Bones. It's not Skull and Bones. That's the pirate the game that's never going to come out. Like, that's the one with the ships where they go through the fog. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, just throw all of them in the same room as One Piece, and it's like the Spider Man meme. Like, obviously, tonally and story <laughs> very different, but like, you watch it, and that's the same level of care and interest that I have out of it. I'm like, yeah, it's nothing on. I'm enjoying it. I'll eat a snack. I'll mm. scroll my phone, okay. have a chuckle. Like, it's fine. The cast that they put in it was great. It was enjoyable. It was a good way to condense so much story from the anime as well. Like in those eight episodes, we got maybe 50-ish episodes worth, maybe a little bit more of the anime. So it was kind of cool mm. that it was sucked right in. And we've got a second season on the way, which is cool because, yeah, it did end things pretty open-ended, especially where I am in the anime these days. But it was, it was fine. Okay. If you're looking for something to do that's enjoyable, family-friendly <laughs> with an asterisk kind of because it can get a little dark and heavy. But it was, it was all right. So more than hentai, are you going to recommend this live-action anime to me, Brendan? No. <laughs> no? No. Because I, I do like... I like Lock and Key, and I have I got through the first season of that other one that you mentioned, but um, is it if it's in that same vibe and well, actually, idea of those... Okay, like, if, if you're stuck for things to watch, give it a watch. Stuck, like, yeah. Yeah, when, when, and that's the problem. We're never stuck for things to watch yeah. these days. But like it's eight episodes. You can chew it, like churn it out in a week or two, you know, whatever your, your availability is. And it's enjoyable. It's fun. It's pirates. It's whimsicalness. It's mm-hmm. fantasy. There's yeah. things that just don't make sense, but it does in this world. Like, yeah, it's, it's fine. So, so maybe I'd, I'd give like a mid recommendation for you. Okay, I'll commit to watching the first episode at some point then and just seeing how that goes. Yeah, it's fun. I um, I upset Nato. I did a, a guest spot on Boy in the Barrel last week with Dane and Nato together and it was a juggernaut of an episode. It went for nearly three hours. Like him and I were just back and forth about One Piece and I'm like, I just want to watch it all now, but I'm not vibing with it. He's like, no, you need to like pace it out i'm like but that's not good storytelling if i need to take breaks mm. and go away for months and comes back that's not the storytelling i want and yeah it was very heated so check out the boy in the barrel when that episode comes out soon because it's uh it's a it's a monster but yeah one piece was fine maybe i was a bit too harsh when i said no i wouldn't recommend it like wouldn't <laughs> recommend it because i'd have so many other things to recommend but like sure if you want something that's fun and easy and accessible to watch that's not the best but it's definitely not the worst that's what one piece live action is what about as far as these new wave of uh, anime live actions that are happening? Cowboy Bebop and Death <laughs> of the Earth No, no, stuff. no. Don't watch Cowboy. It's real bad. But like, would you put this one, would you put this One Piece series at the top of these, you know, live action? It's it's up there. It's up there. Like it's a low bar. Like the, the Western, <laughs> the Western live action anime adaptations are all pretty crap. One yeah. Piece is pretty good, but like the, the live action Japanese adaptations of the anime are usually pretty bang on. There's some really cool ones in there worth watching. But if we're looking at Death Note or Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. as two of the most recent big juggernauts that got converted to live and westernized, not a good time. Cowboy Bebop, phenomenal, 
Death Note, the anime, overrated in my opinion. But um, yeah, One Piece, it's it's definitely up there. I didn't half mind the Ghost in the Shell um, oh. live action with Scarlett Johansson playing playing Major. I thought that was okay. Detective Pikachu up the top. Yeah, Detective Pikachu's <laughs> up there. To be honest, man, like it's yeah. it's great. But it's good. up like yeah, One Piece is at the at the more positive end as opposed to the negative. If we're just talking the live action um, sure. adaptations for sure. Anything else you wanted to mention or shout out you've been doing this week or should we jump into some news, JP? Yeah, I've, we've started watching Sex Education Season 4, which is uh, always a pretty fun time, I think, if you um, have followed along on Netflix up until this point and Season 4 is no different. I need you to... Know. I've watched the first episode of Season 1. Oh, okay. You're yeah, way back. So I got some catching up to do and I, I enjoyed it, but... I don't know what happened. I just got off that train and boarded another one and just never yeah, returned. You can save that maybe till you have someone to watch it with and I'm sure you'll have a really good time. Mm, okay. I'll keep that on keep that on the on the radar. But uh right. let's jump across to this. News and notes from around the internet, presented by Audio Technica. Go upgrade your audio game today over at audio-technica.com or follow them on the socials at Audio Technica or at Audio AU. The best in the biz. We're talking gaming headsets, microphones, turntables, and everything else in between. But JP, the first bit of news I've just titled "Who's the Boss?" question mark because Jim Ryan, the president and CEO of Sony Interactive Entertainment, is set to retire in March of 2024 after nearly three decades with Sony. He assumed the role in February of 2019, overseeing the PlayStation division. And in his retirement statement, Ryan mentioned the difficulty of balancing work in North America and living in Europe. Hiroki Totoki will take over as the chairman of Sony Interactive Entertainment in October and become interim CEO in April of next year. Sony's president, Kenichiro Yoshida, expressed gratitude for Ryan's contributions and highlighted the importance of selecting the right successor to lead the game and network services business for Sony's continued evolution and growth. So if you wanted to get the more in-depth, there's some great... Um, information and press releases that sony have sent out and shared that are available on the playstation official website but uh yeah jim ryan a stalwart of sony for nearly 30 years and he's been in the big dog role for Mm. nearly four no over four four and a half years if my maths is correct god it's 2024 nearly already (laughs) but uh yeah he's stepping down uh 54 years young and retiring on a hefty sum of money, I would assume. And I, JP, like the internet, it's funny because yeah. the internet's like, oh, what's he doing? Why is he going? This is horrible news. I'm like, dude or dudette, if I was 54 and had probably millions in the bank, I would have retired years ago and hung out on my farm in Europe or wherever he's <laughs> residing in Europe because that's the life I want to be living. How are you feeling about this, JP? Yeah. I, I feel like the reaction I saw was one of... Uh joy <laughs> for a lot of people because uh jim ryan hasn't been a very popular figurehead for mm-hmm. playstation uh sean Layden was the previous one and he was you know <laughs> he makes jim ryan makes Jordan sean, sean Layden look like fonzie like he's like he was not cool but yeah sure, sean Layden is he's so much more personable and yeah. like more more human, like Jim Ryan is yes. very Android-esque in his delivery and lack of emotion in most things he does. Yeah. Short Laden was a bit closer to, I guess, the way that Phil Spencer's seen. Um, but 
yeah, Jim Ryan was was very clearly not a gamer or someone that even really seemed to like or understand mm-hmm. games. Like even just from the way he was photographed holding the Jewel Shock or the Jewel Sense, you know, in a weird way. Like people don't hold controllers like that. <laughs> <laughs> and um, the, you could just tell from the way he talked about games. Like it was he was a businessman. He was mm-hmm. a CEO. He was all those things that you probably need be to be in that position but not what people wanted him to be which is probably closer like as i said to like a, a, a phil spencer or a reggie at nintendo or that even like a shuhei yoshida someone that clearly is passionate about games and talks about them with excitement and is there to usher in like all these exciting new fun things for us to to enjoy as as a consumer but you can't certainly can't deny how successful playstation has been financially since he took over like it's it's been a huge period of growth with the release of you know the ps5 and its success as a console with how much it's sold um and how much it's outsold its its competitors as as far as like i guess the xbox um and the, the the games that they've put out you know that's been some of the criticism is that we don't have this clear picture of um the direction that PlayStation's going in. But at the same time, you look at the best of the best that have come out under his tenure and you're talking about like, you know, Horizon Forbidden West, God of War Ragnarok and and some of the, you know, Spider-Man Miles Morales came out with him there. Not that like the games that come out when you're in charge aren't necessarily an indication of your work and the leadership that you've put in because it takes years to develop these games. So I think it won't really be for another couple of years till we can conclusively say, you know, the legacy of what Jim Ryan's done. Sony's keeping a lot of their upcoming releases secret. So I don't think we'll really know until like maybe this time next year what, what titles he led as far as the CEO and, and president during that time. So I think, yeah, overall, it's it's I'm quite... I'm okay with this because I feel like Sony needs some fresh character injected into the the business side of things. I like the name Hiroki Totoki, who's taking over. It's phenomenal, isn't it? It's quite fun (laughs) to say, uh, Hiroki Totoki. And uh, he's going to be like an interim CEO until someone else can can be recruited into that position. But man, I'd love to see someone like Shuhei or even like a Mark Cerny, who's not necessarily a businessman, but certainly very passionate about games, uh, come in and uh, see see what they can do with that more gamer-focused mm. figurehead, even if they're not making all the decisions. Yeah, Shuhei, I was about to mention Shuhei before you uh, jumped on that wagon because, yeah, he is he's another stalwart of Sony and, and he's obviously driving the, the indie side of things over there at Sony these days and he's a great advocate for gaming, but mm. also he's uh, tipping 60 years old. So you wonder how long you want someone in a position like that at that age. He went from a, he went from a high position down to that indie status so i don't know that he's necessarily on the way up there might be someone else that's gonna take that position yeah but um yeah i'd be very curious to see who they who they appoint uh early next year uh you know april april may i'm assuming oh it depends like um yeah hiroki totoki could become like he could be interim for the entirety of 2024 as as they search high and low for the for the next ceo and president Mm. there but um 
yeah, we're ne- never going to dismiss the work that Jim Ryan did during his tenure. Like nearly three decades in one role is testament to that employer and employee's relationship regardless. I think anyone that stays in a job longer than five years these days seems like it's very rare and know, knowing that he did it for nearly 30 years and then sort of assumed the big role there in February 2019. And, and like you said, like Sony is still going from strength to strength. He doesn't have the, like his hands aren't the only ones on the steering wheel, uh, you mm. know, moving that big beast forward, but he's certainly got some say in the direction they're going and and you know, guiding things along where he has in the background. But yeah, we'll see ultimately what uh, legacy he's left in the years to come. Like you said, JP, as far as what this secretive catalog they've got that they're sort of working on in the background, but we wish him well. And I'm very jealous. Like if I can retire at 54 with a hefty sum of money in somewhere in Europe, I would damn well be doing it as well. So, so good on you, Jim Ryan. And, uh, Good luck with the, the next endeavors. Maybe maybe he'll have like a, a Clarkson's Farm type of renaissance and have his own show <laughs> on Amazon down the line. Who knows? Who knows, yeah. I'm, I'm often like skeptical or taking these kinds of announcements with a grain of salt when it comes to like the reasons and like the, you know, oh, he's he's stepped down and, you know, you watch these documentaries or, or biopics about corporate world and often it's like, we're asking you to step down, so you have the choice of either being fired or, or resigning. The fact that they don't have no one to replace him, and they're looking at you know taking quite a long time to replace him, does tell me that he just kind of decided he's had enough, and that it you know it, it's probably it's probably true. You know the, mm. the whole I'm I'm wanting to spend more time with my kids thing or whatever he's saying. So so you think there's no uh, there's no controversy that's going to come out. That's, that's forced him nah, to step down. Do you I, want to hypothesize and throw some drama <laughs> out there? Get the internet uh, uh, internet sure. into a spin? Sure. I guess we could say PSVR 2 hasn't lit the world on fire and the shareholders want a scapegoat and he's been asked to, to step down. So yeah, that's fair. <laughs> let's throw that rumor out there. That's pretty fair. And, and there's some valid, uh, valid thought process there because, yeah, they are PSVR 2. Ain't no one talking about it. Ain't no one I know in our circle regularly putting mm. on their headset and having a good time. But uh, yeah, Jim Ryan's going to have a good time in Europe and not having to commute back and forwards between continents, which is not enjoyable. So uh, yeah, that's that. But something that could be enjoyable is what I've titled Lara Croft Weeb Raider. So yesterday, we are recording here on the 28th of September. So uh, yesterday on September the 27th, in other parts of the world, actually sort of dropped this morning here in Australia. So today slash yesterday, depending on where you are in the universe, <laughs> this event occurred. So yesterday, on, <laughs> Netflix debuted a live stream event called Drop Zero One, which is focusing on upcoming animated adaptations, including ones based on many popular video game franchises. We saw a teaser trailer for a Devil May Cry anime adaptation getting revealed, featuring a redesigned Dante with a shorter haircut and a new voice actor. Adi Shankar, the showrunner, expressed a deep love for the characters and a commitment to exceeding expectations. Tomb Raider, The Legend of Lara Croft, was also showcased, drawing inspiration from the game's reboot series. The series, in collaboration with Legendary, is set to premiere soon, though no specific date was provided. 
Other game to show announcement included trailers for Sonic Prime Season 3, as well as the Netflix exclusive game Sonic Prime Dash, Castlevania Nocturne based on Castlevania Rondo of Blood, and Captain Laserhawk, a Blood Dragon remix inspired by Far Cry Blood Dragon, were also showcased. The latter featured cameos from Ubisoft characters Rayman and Jade from Beyond Good and Evil, and that premieres on October the 19th. So, JP, we were inundated with trailers and announcements, and the hype that I was feeling watching some of these was at a big high. Uh, The Devil May Cry trailer, not a long one, only about 50 seconds or so, but had a good vibe. Um, Adi Shankar has been doing some great stuff now for a long time. Yeah. He seems to have a pretty good long-term relationship slash working partnership with Netflix these days. And I'm hyped for that. The Legend of Lara Croft trailer looked really cool as well. And knowing that Legendary are throwing some money behind it too, you know it's going to have some big budget and good feels to it. But also the Blood Dragon remix, which is you know inspired by Far Cry Blood Dragon, looks like a goddamn hell of a time it's got a great tone it's rude it's violent it's intense and it just looks like a roller coaster of an anime yeah i I haven't had a chance to see the the footage that you're talking about here but just from hearing you talk about it and reading about some of the people involved it's it's cool to see this level of collab between netflix and i guess the gaming ips that they've been able to get their hands on they've done really great job with castlevania can't really speak highly enough of that and adi shankar being showrunner of that series as well as uh, the devil may cry one puts that in a good position to succeed i don't know if it was that the only one that he's been put he's had his name put next to of these? Uh, so he's he's also doing the, the, nocturne. the Castlevania Nocturne. Um, yep. He's also attached to to the Blood Dragon remix. Okay, he's doing some yep. stuff with Assassin's Creed as well as he's the executive producer on Hyperlight Drifter and also the PUBG adaptation. He's the man behind that too. So mm. he's tied into into a lot into a lot. He's done like anyone that's seen any of the the bootleg universe stuff that he's done, which are like little one-shot films he did the power rangers one that had james vanderbeek uh, starring in it that that was what really mm-hmm. sort of put him on the map way back in 2015 2016 somewhere around there and since since then he's just been really close and tight with netflix on these uh, adaptations yeah. and, and he's just got a good eye for it and he's a fan of the of the medium which makes it even easier Clearly, to yeah understand what he's doing because yeah he's, he's got a good eye for these things man like he's a bit of a dude like you, you see photos of him he's a very yeah. <laughs> looks like he could be a magician yeah or, or like in like uh, 30 seconds to mars or something like oh yeah that's a good call <laughs> it could be uh, in an emo band in the early 2000s yeah i think um until he goes wrong then until then i think we've got every reason to just be excited for whatever he does while he's in that you know, gaming universe with a bit of a uh, bit of edge to it and a um, bit of style with uh, what he's done mm. with Castlevania. So I look forward to more of that. I think being based on Rondo of Blood is interesting because that's a very direct tie-in um, as far as the, the lore of the games goes. And uh, yeah, the rest of it, yeah, I'll, I'll watch all of it, I think, until, until I hear or see that it's not uh, up to scratch then i'm going to be excited for whatever they can do because they're, they're pretty easy to watch like it's not like it's a tough yeah. watch there was like the witcher anime that came out 
last year that wasn't really uh, yeah it it wasn't the best but neither was the um the origin story the witcher that had michelle yo in it that was a tough Mm. watch too that was really bad yeah so it's not like it's a foolproof thing to just take an an ip and and netflix it up but um i think that you know as long as as i said mr shankar is involved then we've got no reason to be doubtful at this point yeah, just just the way he can translate some of that uh, written or uh, I, I guess digitized content to screen is uh, mm-hmm. very skillful. He's got a good set of tools and skills at his at his disposal there. And yeah, whatever he keeps serving up, I'm going to keep eating. And uh, yeah, Give I'm hyped gear. because where's the, where's the Metal Gear IP? That's gone um, quiet yeah. again. Like I know that was doing the yeah. rounds for a while, but yeah, crickets, crickets. Just waiting a for a whole whole universe of uh content yeah i'd be down for that but uh yeah castlevania nocturne's like dropping in the next couple of days listeners so by the oh, time that okay. this episode's out it should be there or is it out right now i know it's out this Maybe. weekend sometime jp so <laughs> it depends which part that. of the world you live in <laughs> yeah and then we've got fuck the uh, blood dragon remix coming out on october 19th and from what i understand devil may cry and tomb raider are both slated for 2024 so yeah, good times indeed. But something, um, the last bit of news here, I guess it's good times for a lot of the world, but less good times for Microsoft because uh, mm. they had a lot of confidential and sensitive intima- information leaked this past uh, week or so. So we're, we're sort of coming at this one about a week or so behind the initial announcements because it's been a little bit of time between episodes here. But I uh, wanted to sort of grab some key highlights from a massive 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 amount of emails and data and content and screenshots that are sort of circulating around the interwebs right now and uh if we're looking at it from sort of like a bulleted point perspective we'll start with this one microsoft is planning to release a new console in 2028 maintaining an eight-year life cycle for the current generation despite the talk of going in quotes beyond generations they're also working on a hybrid xbox platform for cloud gaming which is also in the works for 2028 aiming to combine client and cloud power with the target price of under 99 dollars us they're also planning some mid-generation hardware refreshes uh brooklyn is an updated Xbox Series X upgrade with two terabytes of storage and no disk drive. And it's slated for October of 2024 releasing at a price point of $499 USD. And then we've got Elwood, which is a refresh on the Xbox Series S with the same form factor and one terabytes of storage planned for release in October of 2024 at $299 USD. Both refresh consoles will feature faster Wi-Fi, reduced power consumption, and come with a new controller featuring haptic feedback and a swappable rechargeable battery. And that controller is expected out in May of 2024. Bethesda's game lineup was also released. And bear in mind, listeners, this is all with an asterisk and can change. Uh, so the gaming lineup included Dishonored 3, remasters of The Elder Scrolls 4 Oblivion and Fallout 3, a Ghostwire Tokyo sequel, an unannounced game based on a licensed IP, and nine free-to-play or mobile titles. Phil Spencer expressed ambitions also for Microsoft to acquire Nintendo in an internal email, recognizing the challenges due to Nintendo's financial stability and reliance on their hardware. Emails discussed also saw the cost of bringing average AAA titles to Xbox Game Pass with estimates ranging from $5 million up to $300 million. 
So that's a lot of cabbage to lay out to get some Xbox Game Pass exclusivity there. Internal data also indicated that as of April of 2022, Xbox Game Pass had 21.9 million subscribers out of uh, 33.6 million paying Xbox users, with most subscribers paying full price and using the service on their respective consoles. And then a follow-up in response to the leaks, Phil Spencer said via his X account the following. We've seen the conversation around old emails and documents. It is hard to see our team's work shared in this way because so much has changed and there's so much to be excited about right now and in the future. We'll share the real plans when we are ready, end quote. So JP, this was just sort of the tip of the iceberg as far as the leaks, like there's slides from pitch decks going around, there's sort of prototype imagery of controllers, there's a slew of other back and forth with Phil Spencer saying, oh, we wanted to try and buy Sega, we wanted to try Bungie, da 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 da, da. There's a whole list mm-hmm. as far as the Ralph. shopping list of yeah. targets. And... It's interesting because there's also people have come out and said, FTC, you've leaked these. And then FTC saying, no, Microsoft, you did this. So there's this internal drama still going on yeah. around all this because FTC are going back to court again, costing more America's taxpayers dollars to drag this uh, process out further. But JP, what was your highlights, lowlights and everything else in between <laughs> regarding these email leaks? Yeah, there's just so much there, isn't there? I guess the there's different ways to look at this. The, the I'd say the highlights have to be like what games are going to come out and what what have we learned about yeah, out of this sure. and um, the remasters of Oblivion, Fallout Three. They are probably the ones that excite me the most. As aforementioned, the uh, the the amount of love I have for for those Bethesda style games is is high. So I'd be all over those. Um, Dishonored 3 would be very exciting, though, as Phil tweeted out or X posted out that uh, this these plans are all very old now and some of this stuff might not ever happen. And judging by what's happened with Arcane since Dishonored 2, it would be very surprising to see them uh, return to that franchise particularly with how well Deathloop did as a as a game I think that that would be much more likely to see kind of a sequel to that and mm-hmm. now they've said it's it's set in the same universe as Dishonored it, it's even harder again to see them go back to an IP that isn't as fresh and, and probably popular as Deathloop even though Dishonored series fantastic if you ask me uh, Ghostwire, that's not exciting for me, probably for you, because we weren't big fans no, of that game. No, no, um, <laughs> And the uh, the nine free-to-play or mobile titles is a big uh, thumbs down for me too, just from my own personal dislike of that style. The, the Game Pass stuff's interesting. I think that actually represents a dip of a few million from much earlier in, um, in 2022 than what they revealed here. So I don't know what that says about... Um, Xbox, uh, sorry, about, about Game Pass um, and some of the other reports we've seen around the internet the past month or so about stagnating subscriber numbers across the board, across consoles for subscription mm-hmm. services. Um, it, it's interesting the amount of money that they revealed is being spent on some of these uh, exclusivity deals for subscription services would did you say it was up to 300 yeah so so the estimates range from five million dollars for a title to 300 million dollars man 
what game would you pay three hundred million dollars to put on your on your I, service? I, I, I wonder. I wonder if one of the games that costs that much would be like um, MLB The Show because it's a Sony game. Mm. And it's sort of like a cheeky, well, not a middle finger, yes. but it is a cheeky play to bring <laughs> yeah. a Sony game onto a platform that's included in a subscription. So I reckon something like that would cost some big bucks. Yeah, yeah, I can I could see that, but um, you'd really want it to be something that people are going to sign up to play it. So it's it's, yeah. it's hard in that sense to to imagine what could possibly be that game. But um, yeah, let us know, uh, dear listeners, if you have thoughts on that I, I think the outside of you know what what are we going to get out of this as gamers the most interesting tidbit here is phil spencer's comments about nintendo um and his desire to acquire nintendo which seems completely ludicrous to me um and almost like it, it actually reminds me of like I had this vision of like a bunch of nerds sitting around playing D and D and talking about which cheerleader they're going to invite to the prom, and it's like <laughs> she doesn't want to go with you, but bro, like you got no chance here. And Nintendo's laughed at you before when you've when Microsoft has talked about um, acquisition way back before Xbox was even you know a, a realized thing. They wanted to to acquire Nintendo and they laughed them out the room. And I don't think much would have changed since then, to be honest. Microsoft still has heaps of money, but Nintendo is in some, like in some ways they're number one. Like they're never going away. They might not have the best games and, and or they might not, you know, sell or make the most money, but they're just like, you just, they're just, they have the legacy. They have the goodwill. They're never going mm. away. They're never, especially going to sell to an American company like Microsoft. I just cannot see that ever happening. Um, so that was interesting and very revealing of, um, I think Microsoft's uh, strategy to acquire and to just amass talent. Like he, like Phil called it, um, it would be the crowning achievement or something like that. Something along those lines, um, which I, I think that if you're a fan of um, creativity and, um, and games, like you would, you would want the crowning achievement to be, we're going to release the next Halo, uh, not the next, not literally the next Halo, but we're going to create a new IP that's going to become the next Halo or the next Gears of War. Like that's what I would want if I was a, a lifelong fan of Xbox um, not yeah. oh we got now we own Mario like that's their, our crowning achievement. Um, so I, I thought that was interesting, and that was before all these acquisitions I think took place of the last like five years. Yeah, that chatter was before the big uh, Blizzard Activision acquisition right. and a few of the others. Okay. So this was so it was it was after Zenimax, but before Blizzard Activision. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. But like, there's there, there's some interesting like. If you skim through some of the emails, a few of the other takeaways is like he seems like a, like an easy guy to deal with. Like all the the email back and forth, it's it's positive tone. There's no aggression ever from Phil, and it, you can see that he loves the industry. And yeah, you see, Nintendo is very much like his Eleanor. If we're gonna gonna go sort of like a, a movie comparison, you know, that's the the Memphis Reigns dream car in Gone in sixty seconds, and. Yeah, Nintendo, I think, is the crowning achievement that he would love to get when it's all said and done. But there's also like discussions in there about like them acquiring Valve and, like I said before, Sega and Square. And 
uh, Warner Brothers, which is one that's been sort of going around the rumor mill for a few years now. So, yeah, I don't think the Blizzard Activision acquisition is going to be the last one that Microsoft do. Mm-hmm. I think they're probably going to have to wait a few years because I think the next time that they announce they're going to buy another company, uh, the FTC and all, all the other global subsidiaries will be all over them instantly because you saw how much of a struggle it was to get this yeah. deal over the line. So I feel that there are that the well is running running dry as far as potential avenues of expansion or acquisition goes. But you know, cool thing, we've got a new Xbox coming out in about five more years' time. We've got a funky new controller coming out next year. Some some refresh on the existing hardware. Uh, the next Elder Scrolls is still many 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 moons away. I'm assuming it might almost be like a day one release in parallel with the new console in 2028, maybe. Uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of cool to see behind the curtain and see what they're what they're working on or what their hopes and dreams are as far as mm. future of Xbox, future of Microsoft, and and some of these companies. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. Nintendo are never going to sell to Microsoft, never ever. Like if anything, they might sell to Sony because it's you know then it's uh, Japanese buying Japanese. But yeah, I don't think mm. they'll ever allow a big American company to come in and, and take take away Mario and Nintendo. Yeah, like the the best you could really ask for if you feel is to get game pass on like the switch or something which is a whole different kettle of fish really i'm very curious like it's not in the news here but seeing how much money square have lost on final fantasy 16 it's like in the was it something like a billion i swear it was like one point something billion i saw in the news doing the rounds so i wonder if that will sort of open up those discussions again for for a Sony or a Microsoft to say, "Hey, we'll we'll uh, we'll get you in black back in the black here, and come across mm. to our uh, our group of growing studios." <laughs> yeah, I'm just reading the headline as you're uh, talking. Square Enix's stock has fallen 30 percent from its peak this year, wiping almost two billion off the company's market value. But, I mean, if it's if it's lost 30 percent and that's wiped off two billion, then it's still worth many many billion. <laughs> And yeah, I guess yeah. if it yeah. can if it can if it can fall that much just this year, then I guess it can climb up that much just as quickly. Mm. But um, yeah, it's surprising because like Final Fantasy sixteen didn't bomb or anything; it sold really well and it was received really well. So maybe um, just not quite the projections they had. Maybe it's that, and they might have had some ambitious growth with uh, Final Fantasy XIV that hasn't been met and things like that. Like the server, the server costs would be astronomical to keep that, that sort of game Mm. running globally. So it's probably a bit of that, but like you said, it'll spike again with the final fit, like the next Final Fantasy VII drop coming in February. (laughs) So we'll see another injection and that 30% drop could become 30% growth come Q1 Mm. next year. Yeah. They have some, they have some very odd decisions over at Square when it comes to the, types of game and the decisions of when they release them um like they often go up against they often compete with themselves when they release some of these games so it doesn't surprise me that they're having some issues but as for acquisition yeah i don't i don't know i'm, I'm sure as you said microsoft isn't done they've got a bottomless pit of money it seems and that's um they that's how they're choosing to uh, put their mark on the games industry, um, mm-hmm. and I mean, you look at if you take away Bethesda and Zenimax and the games they've made through through that deal, 
they still haven't released much for for the Xbox. Like there hasn't yeah. been much to to hang your hat on. Like take away Starfield, and this year would be arcane bleak, <laughs> which is like yes. ugh. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it would be Oof. Redfall. And, well, even, even that was part of the Zenimax deal too. So you take away Redfall, you're taking away Starfield, uh, Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, we get Hi-Fi Rush, which which yeah. was a, a good little stealth drop. It would be Hi-Fi Rush. That's all, that's all you're getting this year. Hey, uh, and game. Forza. And Forza. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> all right, so that brings us to the end of the news. Let's jump across to this. Miss Allie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. All right, JP, we've got another round of Miss Ellie Hart's Carousel of Chaos. And this game that uh, I was going to present you with earlier has sort of evolved on the fly because it was going to initially be like a little bit of a spin on This Week in Gaming History. And then I've narrowed the lens to a particular title that was released okay. This Week in Gaming History and then turned it into like a Who Am I? So, JP, we're talking about a a video game here in in particular. Have you got any questions, comments, concerns before we start this up? It's fairly self-explanatory, right? Yeah, no, I'm all good. I I, I feel like I've seen some stuff out in the world about, you know, it's the anniversary of X, Y, and Z. So, I wonder if I wonder if I'll remember it or if it will we'll come find back to out mind as you as you start. It talking. could be a it could be a quick round of Carousel of Chaos here, but we'll find out. And JP, the first little uh, factoid or, or hint or clue that I'll give you is as follows: I am a video game that was released around mid slash late in September, twenty three years ago. So I was released in the year two thousand. For those that aren't good with year based math. Okay, twenty-three year old game. Yes, I did. I did see that it's the anniversary of Double Fine, so I don't know if that's like as the formation of their studio or a game they may have put out that year. So continue. Might okay, not be thank relevant. you. I shall. I shall. Okay, <laughs> I was originally released on the Sony PlayStation, but saw a PC debut coming two years later in two thousand and two. My Metacritic score currently sits at 86 out of 100. Not bad, not bad. To date, and this is with an asterisk, I have sold approximately 1.2 million copies. I had a team of approximately 50 people working on my game. I am the second entry of three. So I'm part of a current three game franchise. The third entry in said franchise released exclusively on Xbox. Oh, wait a second. <laughs> so the second one released on the PC and PS2. On PlayStation. Oh, okay, PlayStation. And then over to Xbox. Okay, continue. Thank you. I shall. All right. During the course of the game, players can switch roles between two characters who both carry different weapons and have parts of the game blocked to one but accessible to the other. Mm. Okay. I would be classified as a mixture of action adventure and survival horror. 
the game director on said title is Shu Takumi. Okay, so it's Japanese. Probably. probably. Shu Takumi took over from Shinji Mikami after the first game in this series. I was developed and published by the same studio. The lead character from the first and then into the second that you play is a member of the secret operations raid team otherwise known as SORT or S-O-R-T. Okay. During the game, players can earn extinction points, which can be used on new weapons, upgrades, health packs, and ammunition. Do you, do you know if I know this game? <laughs> you should. You should. Okay. Okay. It's the big no I, I think this so. next one will give okay. it away in a big way. I'm going to remove a couple of the words in this though as well, just to make it less obvious. <laughs> Upon completion of the main game, there is an unlockable mode known as Extra Crisis that comes with two different gameplay modes known as mm, Colosseum and mm, Jewel. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, keep going. I got, I got a thought, but... Okay. The lead character is named Regina. Uh, am I allowed to look up anything on my phone? No, not really. That's cheap. <laughs> I'm not going to. No, okay. I, won't. I wasn't, I wasn't going to look up, like, anything you said. I was going to look up what I thought it was. But I won't do that. I won't do that. Said okay. lead character has red hair. I, as in Brendan White, complain that this franchise... Okay, it's Dino Crisis <laughs> 2. That is correct. Yeah. I'm like, i got to give you something here because I'm going to be here all day. <laughs> as soon as you said, I complain, I'm like, Dino Crisis 2. Yeah, no. Nah. Yeah. Uh, when you said the, the game modes were something crisis, I was like, time crisis? No, I don't think that had like a console... I don't know if that had console releases. Maybe maybe Dino Crisis, but I didn't know that there was three of them. So there you go. Yeah, so Dino Crisis 3 came out on the Xbox alone and it was woeful. Uh, it, it's a 51 out of 100 Metacritic score where it's like set 300 years past the events of 2 and 1 and it's in space. It is, it is a time. Wow. But Dino Crisis <laughs> 1 and 2 is fantastic. Number 2 went more of the... RE4 route if you want to sort of compare where it goes a little bit okay. more actiony still scary at times but leans more into the action events and yeah Dino Crisis 2 it is the 23rd anniversary of this little gem right now or this week mm. so uh, happy birthday to Dino Crisis 2 Capcom where is my goddamn remake I think that it's gonna happen it's only a matter of time um Dinosaurs are going to come back, or maybe that's just hey, the. Fact they that never went away, JP. They're <laughs> they're a timeless treasure. Well, when was the, what was the last video game to heavily feature dinosaurs? A good video game. No, I'm not talking about like Jurassic Park Evolution or something. 
can can I sort of cheat and say Horizon in a way? Mm, I Kinda? guess. Yeah. Do I get half robots. of that? Maybe. You get half a point, but my point was maybe I was going to say maybe it's because I have a toddler who's like really into dinosaurs, but I feel like dinosaurs are like coming back, um, and I can just see like with stealth mechanics being what they are these days and um you know how much atmosphere you can get into a game like dinosaurs jumping out of the bushes and scaring the crap out of you in like an re style game like yeah sign me up yeah there's there's one game that i've been eyeballing for a good long while made by hashbane interactive which is a new zealand studio they're making a survival horror uh dinosaur inspired game called instinction it looks amazing. Mm. Anyone that hasn't seen it, check it out on YouTube. Uh, some of the videos that they're sharing as far as the the different uh, dinosaurs and prehistoric creatures you're coming up against and the combat and just the, the look and feel, it looks super creepy and super scary and amazing. Mm. And the fact is a tiny little New Zealand studio building this thing up. It's coming out on all the platforms. I think it's not out until like 2025. But yeah, Instinction looks really good. But yeah. Dinosaurs need to keep making a comeback, JP. Yeah. Please. Forget zombies. Like zombies are played out. Let's Yeah. Let's switch. Let's make the switch to, to we got, dinos. We got major zombie fatigue. But uh yeah, if you don't want to wait till 2025 for instinction, don't worry, because we've got you all covered. The week that's mm. yet to come, presented by Dash Water. Shout out to Dash Water, currently keeping me hydrated with uh the cucumber flavored variety right here. It is uh, a great time. Dash water, no calories, no sugars, no sweeteners, just delicious, delicious flavor and refreshment. But JP, if you're looking for things to consume this coming week, there is a raft of things. First and foremost, we'll have the second mini pod episode of Leftovers that JP is chairing. So that'll be a recap on the news that we or you may have missed. So that'll be coming out this week on the podcast feed as well as on the socials. Uh, As far as films, if you want to get to the cinemas, Expendables 4 is out. We're talking about Megan Fox. We just can't escape her right now. She's in Expendables 4. It is reviewing very badly. So I don't know if you should rush out and spend some money to go see it at the cinema, but maybe The Exorcist Believer is coming out this week as well, which looks all kinds of creepy, as well as Thank You for Coming and A Little Life. Highlight on streamers coming out this week. The debut of season two of Loki drops this week, which I cannot wait for. If you wanted to go to physical events here in Australia, don't worry because we've got PAX Australia 2023 kicking things off from this coming Friday through to that Sunday ending at about 6 p.m. So, yeah, if you've got nothing to do on uh, October the 6th and you're in Melbourne or you want to fly to Melbourne, Come by PAX. We'll be there. We record podcasts. We'll be getting up to all kinds of hijinks. So if you see us, say hello. Be sure to uh, stay hydrated, wear comfy shoes, and also chuck some deodorant on because not only the people around you will thank you, but you'll thank <laughs> yourself because uh, no deodorant is not a good time, JP. No, it is not, not a good time. You never smell bad. Though. You always smell good. But don't... Uh, oh, thank you. You stay, you stay away from my Sauvage. You stay I'm away not- from my Dior Sauvage. That's my scent. But if you're looking for not, games to play this sweater. week as well, you aren't. You aren't. But you wear big sweaters sometimes. Yeah. Or sloppy joes, as the kids call them around Australia. But oh, games really? coming out this week. Bilkin's yeah. Folly, Disgaea 7, Vows of the Virtu- Virtuous. Scorn is debuting on PlayStation 5 this week. Silent Hope 
It's coming to Switch and PC. Mike Magnolia's Hellboy Web of Word is coming out on all the platforms. Assassin's Creed Mirage is already here, coming out this week as well. Front Mission 2 Remake on the Switch. The Dark Pictures Anthology Little Hope to the Switch. Wargroove 2. Borderlands 3 on the Switch. Detective Pikachu Returns is popping up this week as well. And for any uh, hockey nuts, NHL 24 is coming out on all the platforms as well. But JP, plenty of things to see, plenty of things to do. Mm. We're going to be very busy boys this next uh, seven or so days. Absolutely. It's, um, yeah, it's a ballsy time to release a game like Assassin's Creed Mirage. But I guess they're just hoping that a lot of people are done with you know Starfield and, and Baldur's Gate uh, or weren't interested in it to begin with. They're getting in before uh, Spider-Man and Alan Wake. So, yeah, that's probably the one that um, I'll be most interested in how it reviews. Um, being, you know, I was a fan of uh, Valhalla but found it was much too long. So I'm a bit more interested in hearing this is a shorter attempt from uh, from Ubi. Yeah, where I'm, like you were just talking about zombie fatigue, I feel I've got a bit of assassin fatigue going on. Like, I love mm. Assassin's Creed, but like, I've got yeah. no real interest in Mirage right now. I need to wait to see what the reviews are like before I go, oh, maybe I'll try and find some time. But right now, I'm just like, I'm, I'm good if I miss this for a few yeah. months. Yeah. Mm. I think Ghost of Tsushima also kind of uh, out-assassined them as well. That's so fair. that kind of uh, exposed the kind of, uh, gameplay loop or the, the the you know tropes and trappings of of what we've experienced in assassin's creed for uh, 16 years now or however long that mm. series has been running mm. too long but uh it will never <laughs> die it will live on well beyond us jp that's for sure but uh yeah, that brings us to the official end of episode 335 of thg so uh yeah joining me for the month of october at least parts of the month of October with me because JP will be filling in while I'm away because I'm taking half of the month off. But uh, yeah, Matt Tilby will be joining me and JP in the co-host chair for the month of October, which will be a good time. Uh, you know, he's a bit of a troublemaker. He's a bit of a rapscallion, but he's got a, got a couple of good thoughts occasionally when it comes to our games, news and insights. So I'm looking forward to mm-hmm. riffing with him and then also listening to my former Hoop Dreams boys, Riffin yeah. in the THG chairs while I am away. Yeah, that'll be good. It's um, it's an exciting month, October. It's my birthday. It's PAX. It's all these fun games coming out. It's Brendan going off on his uh, international adventures as the man of mystery that he is once again. So, um, yeah, there's a lot to look forward to. And if you're heading to PAX and you spot either one of us, I'm sure that we'd love to say g'day, say hi. And, um, yeah, talk about um anything that we've that you've heard us say you can you can uh question our opinions to our face mm, feel free and um yeah hit me up and and maybe ask for a little bit of eight bit swag because uh there's a chance we'll be having have a few things on our person that we're happy to distribute some uh some cool little collectibles and some one-of-a-kind little items as well so uh if you ask very nicely i'm sure that uh myself or jp can <laughs> hook you up in that regard but yeah listeners this brings us to the official end of thg 335 thanks as always for stopping on by be sure to rate view subscribe this podcast and all the other podcasts you listen to on the regular because those ratings and reviews 
help keep those emotional lights on in our hearts means the world to us takes no time costs you no money but it's just a good way to pay things forward so video games and culture.com is the hub for everything we do as well if you want to get some merchandise shop 8bit.net is the place to go to get us on your body in a fabric type of scenario but jp it is time to say our goodbyes for now so until next time listeners much love and stay hungry see you around I probably could cut like 20 to 30 seconds out of this outro very easily. (laughs) 